Being a Better Man, Episode 109. You have just entered a world governed by personal accountability where being a man is not an excuse for bad behavior, where complaints are not allowed, whining is forbidden, and excuses do not exist. Prepare to have your thoughts provoked, your ego challenged, and your character tested. It's time for Being a Better Man. Here's your host and fellow man in the trenches, Alf Herigstad. Hey guys, this is part one of an interview with Angus Nelson. I broke it up into two episodes because he really had a lot of great value to share with you, and I didn't want to delete it, right? But I also wanted to keep the episode in the time frame that you're used to. So here's the first half of the conversation with Angus Nelson. Hey everybody, welcome back to Being a Better Man. I'm your host, Alf Herigstad, and I have a very interesting show planned for you today. Today we have a guest. He's the one and only Angus Nelson. Angus works with executives of the world's largest companies as a speaker, coach, and facilitator. As a speaker, he's spoken at corporate headquarters for Walmart, Whole Foods, Coke, BMW, and many others. He hosts an Inc.com Top 20 Business podcast called Up In Your Business, and he's been featured on AOL, Huffington Post, and VentureBeat. His book, which is gaining a great deal of notoriety, is called Love's Compass, How Do You Recover After a Lost Relationship? Next April, Morgan James Publishing will release his newest book, Empowering Love. I became aware of Angus through a mutual organization, and what really stuck out to me among all of his other experience and talents were his honesty and authenticity. He's had some major transformations himself, and he has lived to tell about it, and he has a genuine care for people, and that's why he's here today. So without spending the entire show on the introduction, let's get into it. (laughs) Please welcome Angus Nelson to the Being a Better Man microphone. I know I didn't get everything there is, so now he can introduce himself in his own words. Welcome to the show, Angus. Hi, Alf. It's great to be here. Yeah, one caveat is uh, the book that's coming out is actually called Empowering Work, um, not Empowering Love, although I think Empowering Love will probably be a a book to come after all of that because I think we can create a whole empowering brand around um, that whole element. Um, but yeah, it's great to be here and just launched another company last week uh, called Brain Trust Partners. We are a consultancy to large brands, helping them connect with their customers in more effective ways. So busy, busy, busy on this end of the line. Yeah, really cool. Like uh, you said in the pre-talk we had, that's a good problem to have. It is. Um, a little chaotic, uh, a little manic. Uh, but when you're doing something and things are going well, sometimes you have to go through a little period of, of hustle. I'm, I'm, not all, I'm not one of those guys that says you have to hustle all the time. I think you need to have time when you take your foot off the gas. But when you're launching something, it's all in. Yeah, and I think, I think men are at their best when they're busy. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, I think it's kind of how we were designed, how our species developed. If men aren't, uh, you know, creating something or doing something, working towards something, they're going backwards, kind of, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you might be right for something. Because uh, when we get bored, um, we get ridiculous. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. That's when all the bad stuff happens, mm-hmm. when we're bored. So um, there are a ton of things I could talk with you about that are relevant to being a better man, but I'd, 
I'd like to focus on the topic of your book, Love's Compass, about recovering after a lost relationship, because I think it's relevant, because all of us have relationships, and probably at one time or another, we've all lost one, or we will lose one. So let's start at the beginning, Angus, and take us back and tell us your story of how you first became aware or interested in this topic. Sure. Um, My uh, interest in the topic was really as a result of my own poor choices. Um, I started a company back in my late 20s, and uh, it was a nonprofit organization. It was uh, all for a good cause. Unfortunately, I wrapped my identity into it. And uh, made some poor choices. Um, we got in some financial bind very quickly into the operations. So I did what most of us do. I worked harder because I'm going to fix this. I'm going to turn this ship around. And I had to prove to this person and that person, to my wife, to my family, you know, et cetera, that I could pull this off. And um, that element of working harder took me to coping mechanisms. And those coping mechanisms started with pornography, then into alcohol, and then to, um, you know, adultery. And in short order, I lost my business, I lost my, my marriage, I lost my sense of self. And um, that's how it all began, was me coming to an end of my ego and my narcissism and my sense of control. Um, and I started to just read and I sought counseling and I started attending events that were all focused on these you know, kind of personal development slash um, some spirituality slash um, a little bit of um, that psychological and emotional elements. Um, all of that was what kind of started me down the path of self-awareness. Wow, that uh, you kind of embody the being a better man model there because you, you looked in the mirror, you saw things you didn't like, and then you went about the process of improving those things. And, um, you know, good for you. <laughs> yeah, and it's never easy. It, um, that has and continues to be a process. Um, the, the exit out of that dark space um, was about three years um, where I finally kind of rose above a lot of my own self-destructive habits and, and mindset. Um, and even then, um, it still took time for me to refine a more positive mindset and a sense of mindfulness um, when I got married, uh, my wife was ever so gracious um, in the context of loving me through the rest of my stuff because uh, I wasn't a finished product. Um, I had gotten divorced from my first wife, so this is the real wife. Um, I like to consider the first one um, more of a practice run. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know? I have one of those. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and, um, and so it's like I never want to go back. Uh, to experience that again. I don't wish divorce on anyone. I don't care for what the circumstances. Um, divorce sucks. And relationships are hard. Um, and so it takes an element of intention and commitment and more importantly, centering in on the why. And for me, the why of a relationship is about how can I use my strengths, my talents, my skills to serve my partner in such a way that I give them the room to become their very best. And that was something I had to learn um, through the course of all this because I was so focused on me, my needs, help pet my self-worth, help sexually gratify me, help, you know, whatever, all about me. And when you come into a relationship from that, you're like a, a, a relational vampire 
sucking the life out of anything that may potentially be awesome. And in addition, you also exhaust the resources that are available during tough times. And instead, you can make those opportunities to invest, invest, invest. And then when you do have those difficult seasons, your partner is more than ready to help support you. That's what I've found. It becomes reciprocal. If if, if we are providing that to someone else, it's a lot more likely they're going to provide that to us as well. And it it just works out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I was fortunate to finally uh, land a good one myself. But after, like you, I had to do a ton of work on me. And I think you're speaking right to a lot of guys right now because so many guys go into adulthood really just thinking about themselves. And it's a huge paradigm shift to direct that focus outward. It is. Um, and, you know, I've, I've said in other occasions that we, we, we grow up with all these focus on us, you know, whether it be our parents or grandparents, you know, sporting events, and then we get into, um, you know, birthdays and holidays, and people are buying us gifts, and we think it's all about us. Um, We get into adulthood, and it starts kicking us in the teeth because it's not about us. And I think there's some kind of quotient um, where when we finally see the world bigger than ourselves is when we truly are able to um, manifest and maximize who we really are as men. I don't, I don't think we're wired um, to be in a place of neediness. As a male, our masculinity is more uh, empowered when we're in a place of provision and we're in a place of, of confidence and we're in a place of um, being who we are without anything to gain or anything to lose. I agree completely. It's um, really important stuff that you're talking about right now. Uh, moving on a little bit, chapter one in your book is called The Need to Feel Loved. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that for a minute because as men – we grow up in a culture that tends to downplay our need for love or for relationships. How important is our need for love? And do you think our need for love is any different than it is for women? And if so, how is it different? Sure. Um, so for men, you know, there can be, you know, macho, you know, man, you know, machismo. Um, there can be, you know, a man who is not, you know, machismo. Um, I have to use that accent when I say that word. Um, the context of love sometimes can be kind of woo-woo, kind of you know mushy, and we can see it that way. But men, we respond in a different fashion of love. So women crave love from kind of an emotional connection. They need to be seen and accepted and adored. Those are the things that compel a woman to feel loved. Men often seek a different kind. So for us, it's an, a love of respect, admiration, or honor. And unfortunately, in this day and age, many men, um, we don't have a strong sense of self. And we become depleted in our own masculinity because of the way that culture has kind of beat us down, that we're not allowed to be adventurous, to be strong, to be independent, 
And especially when you have a lot of families that don't have both parents, they don't have a model of a good man. Television models, you know, the most wimpiest, goofiest, you know, dumbass men, and then that becomes our target. Like, oh, well, I'm just a stupid guy. Right. I hate that. I hate it. You know, that is just spelling the wrong sequence of events. And as such, it's challenging for a woman to give that man what he needs when he is not functioning in the way that he was designed. Yeah, I've kind of hit on this in um, some other episodes. I did one with my wife where she talked about that we need to be admirable. A woman needs to admire the man, and we have to be admirable in order to help them admire us. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, you know, Men in this day and age, we've become passive and we acquiesce to our partners a lot um, because we think we're just supposed to make her happy, you know, happy wife, happy life. And so we don't give of our opinions. We don't give um, of speaking our mind or being assertive or actually being confident in, in choices and decisions we make. And when you get into relationships and you do that long enough after 10, 15 years, maybe even 20 years, um, your partner is going to lose all respect for you. And as a male, once your spouse starts losing respect for you, well, then you try to compensate that by acquiescing even more, which only furthers a a woman's sense of alienation. It says, I do not want to be with a weak and needy man. Right. Exactly. And so you actually create more divide, and you don't give cause for that woman to really dive into those elements of honor and respect and admiration. Yeah, we kind of default to the, uh, I just need to keep the peace. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, You know, avoid any conflict in our relationship and just, you know, go along with it. And you're exactly right. Down the road, um, she winds up with somebody she doesn't uh, admire. I mean, and I, myself personally, I love being relied on by my wife and, and by other people in my family. I I enjoy being relied on and, and needed in that way and looked up to and all that. You know, I went through a period of time when um, uh, in 2009 I was running a nonprofit. We ended up having to close our doors um, because of the economy and soured. And uh, my wife had a great job. We just had our first child together. We had another child from my wife's practice marriage. And so now we're a family of four. Um, and my wife challenged me to stay home to actually write this book, Love's Compass, about that time. And uh, within four months, we found out we were pregnant again. And so we had another child coming. And uh, that was the kind of the, the impetus for me to finish that book, because I knew is once we had that second child, you know, the second little one, um, it was going to get even more chaotic. Uh, during that season, here I was, a stay-at-home dad, and that was playing to all the wrong emotional elements. I started to think, like, why can't I provide for my family? Why can't I be, you know, X, Y, and Z? And during that period, and it was about four years um, where I was taking care of the kids, and um, I was learning social media. I was involved in daddy blogging. I was just learning how to do my craft. But at the same time, I was recognizing that my participation in my family was changing and my kids will never be the same right. because they had a dad that was intricately involved in their lives. 
And I had to change, you know, like a brain hack in my mind that um, I was going to make investment in my family from behind instead of in front. And so if people are listening right now, you know, if, if you're a man or, or if you're a woman whose who's man is home with the kids, you know, there's another aspect to this too, is that a man ends up running the home from either in the front or the back with a place of intention, then you are constantly contributing awesome and amazing, powerful things into your family. I was supporting my wife in ways she never knew that was possible. I was supporting my kids in ways I didn't even know was possible. And I got super intentional. Like from the time my kids became cognitive, I still say this every night when I put them to bed. I tell my kids three things. I love you. I believe in you. And I'm proud of you. And for my youngest daughter, I tell her one more bonus question um, is, I tell her, you're beautiful. Can you tell daddy why? And she'll tell me it's because I'm smart, because I'm creative, because I'm kind, because I'm generous. And she'll tell me all these things. And about three or four years ago, she actually um, said to me while we were walking through a store, she said, Dad, uh, she said, poor Barbie. And I said, what's that, honey? What, what about Barbie? And she said, Barbie only thinks she's beautiful on the outside. And I knew there were some seeds planted. And for my son, I give him a bonus question. And I say, um, this line from a book that I read when I was going through my dark period uh, by a guy named John Eldridge. The book was called Wild at Heart. And he said that every man wrestles with this one question. Do I have what it takes? And so I tell my son, you have what it takes. Can you tell daddy why? And he'll say, because I don't quit. Because I believe in myself because I'm kind, because I'm generous, because I, um, I love people. And these are elements that I've been training in them to give them the mindset to be the kind of people that I believe in this day and age, they don't have that kind of intention. And I'm trying to prepare my kids to be those kinds of human beings. That is really awesome. And, it, and you're kind of touching on what my next question was. It, I was going to ask if you have any tips for nourishing that need in the boys we're raising and to help them be more emotionally healthy men, but I think you kind of already covered that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of that, and then, you know, I just model it. Like, you know, we're going into a um, into a building, and I'll get in front, and I'll say, Duncan, can you help me hold the door open for the ladies? And that's kind of old school, Right. Um, but to me, it's it's an act of honor and a, an act of privilege that I give to my spouse. Um, when I go away on trips, you know, when I travel now a lot, um, I tell my son, you're in charge. I want you to protect the ladies. Um, just this week, uh, he was pouting because um, he didn't want to do something that my wife and daughter were, were going to go do. And so I pulled him aside and I got down on his level and said, hey, buddy, can you do me a favor? Um, I have to go do some other work. And your mommy, mommy and uh, your sister uh, want to go do this thing. And I'm not going to be there to help protect them. Can you be the man? Can you protect them for me? And he had a change of attitude. Now it wasn't about him not wanting to do this thing. It was about him rising up to say, yeah, yes, daddy, I'm, I'm, I'll protect them. And those are elements that I'm trying to instill in my child that he realizes he has a purpose and that he has value to offer those around him. Yeah, and I, I believe also it's validating you know, his natural wiring as a male 
child mm-hmm. because we grow up with these tendencies, but they're they're pushed down so often by society or culture, and so feeding that I think is really healthy. Mm-hmm. And we we balance it out, you know. There's there's elements of where you know I I never want to have him think that women are weak. I never want him to think that women are um, you know less than. Uh, we're, I'm super intentional to to model it from a place of equality, but more importantly, a place of honor. And that's a distinct difference. Um, you know, there are many people in this day and age that are trying to be politically correct. They're trying to, you know, um, you know, have equality. And I wholeheartedly believe in that. But at the same time, I also believe that as a male, um, there are elements that I can play to in my strengths that only do good things for those relationships and do good things to um, our culture. And so I'm trying to be respectful and honorable of those things. Well, I'll add to that, um, too, on the flip side of that. For my daughter, one of the things that we try and instill in her is that nothing is impossible, is that um, she can do whatever it is that she sets her mind to do. Um, in the same way that I'm trying to empower my son, and I know that's more the topic of our show, um, as a male, I try to empower my daughter to know that she is smart and that she can you know do business she can be a doctor she can do business in the context of uh, analytics or in marketing or in whatever it is that she sets her heart to do and i also think that is a part that as a father we have opportunity to set the compass for our young women to be strong to be confident and to change the world yeah i i could not agree more i've got two daughters and one son and they're all grown now, and it's really rewarding to look at them as adults and, and just see the, how dynamic they've become as individuals. And Yeah, I mean, all the people listening, imagine if you had uh, received this training as a child. Many, So many people do not, and so mm-hmm. it's really valuable, but we can give it to our kids and mm-hmm. the next generations. In your experience, what are some of the most common mistakes that men make that lead to a lost relationship in the first place? Um, well, I think, you know, we just kind of established that sense of neediness. Um, we depend on our partners for our own accolades or we depend on them for our own value or validation. Um, that never wins. I yeah. also believe that, you know, when men deal with stuff. And, th- and this is universal. This is not just a male issue, but just as humans, sometimes we think that our own chaos is so unique that nobody else would understand. Whatever our struggle, whatever, you know, uh, it, be it addiction, be it um, um, habit, be it uh, whatever. Um, it might be a pain from your past. Like those different things we think in our minds um, that nobody else will understand. And in isolation, everything seems normal. When you can get around other people and you can share, A, you'll hear someone say, hey, me too. And you realize you're not the only one. B, you realize that maybe some of the ways you were thinking, uh, the ways that you were feeling, are, are so um, dynamically impacting and influencing 
the way you interact with other people, interact with yourself, the decisions you make, and the opportunities you sabotage. That that line of chaos in your mind, if you let that fester, is actually crippling you from potential. So then the second component is we don't ask for help. And if you don't ask for help, you're never going to contend with that stuff. And so we have these fears that we have to be perfect. We have these fears that we have to get it right. We have these fears that other people have it figured out, but I don't. And that is altogether a lie. Um, you know, another aspect of that is we, as such, because we don't want anybody to see the cracks and stuff, we can't be authentic. We can't be genuine. We can't be sincere. And so the whole life that we live becomes a performance and we won't speak what we actually believe. We won't do what we actually feel passionate about doing. Um, those are just major crippling aspects of relationship because when you bring it into relationship, you will attract your favorite pain. It's true. And we can talk more about that in a little bit, but you know, these are things that we don't recognize how they influence, right? Um, some other elements to relationship is compatibility. We put, we put more valuable, uh, excuse me, we put more value on shapely legs and a nice butt than we do a, a beautiful heart. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. My wife and I talk about compatibility all the time because it's something that we never really got to experience uh, before in our life, you know. It really means everything. And and I have to confess, I'm one of those guys that has a hard time asking for help. It's just It just kind of developed into a habit, and it doesn't even occur to me. But now I'm really working on that, and my wife will remind me. She's like, well, why don't you ask for help? I'm like, huh, I never even thought about that. <laughs> All right. Um, and, you know, some other things, too, um, related to that is just we don't know how to play mm -hmm. um, in relationships. You know, and that compatibility is obviously a big part of that. But taking time to play, I think, is a huge component to relationships being more effective and more loving. And then the last thing I would say is both parties need to have a ridiculous sense of, of self-worth. Yeah. Um, relationships that don't have healthy self-worth are codependent in nature. One is weak and the other one is uh, an enabler. One is suffering and the other one is um, allowing more suffering, <laughs> you know, making decisions to help them stay in that, in that same place. Um, and those relationships will eventually either come to an end or will continue to be miserable for both involved. Well, that was the first half of the conversation with Angus Nelson. I think you can see why I decided to break it up into two halves. The second half of the conversation, part two, will come out next Wednesday instead of story time. So be looking for that. All the links for Angus are in the show notes for this episode, number 109. I would really love to hear your thoughts on today's show. You can write me over at the website, beingabettermanpodcast.com, and it would also really be cool if you went to Angus's page and said hello, or his Twitter, tell him Alf sent you. Thanks to my Patreon patrons for supporting this show, and if you'd like to become a supporter, you can find a link to that page and our other affiliates and sponsors on the show notes page as well. Now head out into the world, and remember to be an intentional man. 
when you determine what kind of man you want to be and then become that man through your actions and choices, you are being a better man today than you were yesterday. Until next time, this is Alf Herigstad signing out.